the Skinny Confidential, the him and her podcast. Oh, yeah. I've told you about it a couple times, but I just re I just learned that they own Dear Media, the podcast uh, like company. Yeah, the network. That's the word. Yeah. Huh. So I didn't know that. I don't know if you know Dear Media, but I listen to a lot of podcasts under that network. Uh, but I didn't know that they owned it. And like they were talking about it on one of their episodes. They were like, oh, the reason why, you know, we named it the like Dear Media is because we didn't want to attach our like ourselves to it. We wanted to ha- have it more be about like the other people, um, like the podcasters, the community, the people listening. Um, so that's why they didn't continue on with their like usual brand name, which they have for everything. That's cool. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, well, uh, job achieved because <laughs> I yeah, had no I idea. Didn't- I didn't know they were they were associated. Like, let alone that's their yeah. I, network. I knew that Dear Media was like under the under their network, but I didn't know that they owned it. That was pretty cool to learn. Mm-hmm. And the more that I listen to their podcast, the more that I like it. I told you it was like hard for me to get into at first, but they were also the ones that I told you. Um, Khalil Rafati, I think his name is. It was that book that I I told you that I read um, or I got the audiobook of uh, the story of like um, a a, a drug abuser basically here in Los Angeles going through the system and going through homelessness and going through drug abuse um, and addiction and and whatnot. So um, that's how I found his book because they're really good friends. And that's when I was like, I'm kind of getting a little bit more comfortable with their podcast because I really like their conversations. Yeah. So I think it was maybe at the beginning of the episode, they were explaining the pitch for their podcast or kind of like what they summarize their podcast as. And they were like, oh, we bring on all of these guests with these varying opinions and all these different perspectives. And we don't have to agree on them, but we really like to interview them so we can share that perspective. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Ashley, I think you and I, that's exactly what we're trying to do, too. Yeah. Um, so not not that I was like in any type of way like copying their show because I wasn't even listening to their show when we started this idea, but it was just like really nice to listen to another podcast that gets that, you know. And I think that made me interested in listening to them more after hearing that because I was like, okay, like you're you're doing what we are trying to achieve and you're doing it really well. So I yeah. want to hear more of those opinions and like hear more of that. Uh, I think that'll be like a healthy way for, I guess, just like me as a human to consume content and then like just good ideas to bring to our podcast. Not that we would copy them, but just like, oh, I never thought about a perspective like this. Like, I would like to explore that. Like, can you and I share that, you know, between ourselves on the podcast? Something like that. Yeah, I agree. I've listened to some of them, but I could definitely like go back and try again. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's cool that there's someone else who's got that same opinion of like, let's get like a multifaceted kind of perspective on something and not necessarily just our own views. And, um, obviously they're a little more established than us. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, they have been doing it longer in all fairness. So we're, we're 18, we're less than 20 episodes in, so I think give it time. Let us learn some lessons and let us figure our stuff out. Um, yeah. But I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm glad to know that it's working. That they have like a such a large following of people that appreciate the different perspectives. It just like gives me excitement for the future of our podcast to be like, yeah, 
we're not really even sharing the same conversations as them. They're sharing completely different conversations than we are, but it's the same approach. And that approach has is proven to work. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm excited for our potential. Yeah, me too. So they were the ones that were talking about moving out hmm. of LA to like get their peace back? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we started recording. Um, so they moved to Austin, Texas. And uh. um, I guess like them explaining why was like, it, they just they weren't at peace here and the older that they get the more that they need to like watch after their peace and do things that are for their peace like they were saying like what they do in a day is like so mundane and so boring but it brings them so much joy because they get to just enjoy that and just like be alive and you know just kind of live do the simple shit um while getting to work on the stuff that they really love um one of the conversations i was listening to they were talking about like social media and like how do you what was the question um how do you grow like as an artist and like grow a following and continue working on creative things without being on social media and like that's a hard answer to find because they were talking about like the toxicity of social media and how bad it is and like they find so much peace not being on social media and lauren was talking about how she doesn't go to press events or like influencer events because that's just like not her and that's not like who she is so she's not gonna like form herself into being what somebody's expecting of her because that's not where she finds peace so it's like all those things like that that I was like oh that's really nice like you're really watching after your yeses and nos like if it's a no it's a no and if it's a yes you do it because you want to so it's like all right I'm gonna I it's not like groundbreaking it's not like I've never heard this information before but I think I really needed to hear it again yeah who said that? Like, you've got to guard your yes with your life. <laughs> I forget who said it, but that's a good quote. Yeah, it's definitely a popular concept. I'm not really sure where it originated. I've heard it from a million different people. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a good perspective to have or just like a good habit to form. I guess that's kind of the concept behind Yes Man and how like dangerous it is to say yes to everything. That old Jim Carrey movie. I love that movie. <laughs> That's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally feel that way. Like, it, there's a lot going on right now. I feel like with COVID kind of mostly over, I guess we could say, it's like things are getting a little more back to normal and there's a lot more expectations now. And I feel very busy. So, definitely Good guarding busy, that. Though? Yes. Um, more or less. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. What are this the good parts? Very busy. <laughs> um, the good parts, the, the, the good parts are this podcast, um, my art, um, and just like some cool stuff that I'm able to do now that LA is opening up, uh, like concerts the concerts that we went to the concert I just went to um and the rough parts are like oh yeah there's no like freedoms on the paperwork that needs to get done in the next few weeks like the taxes and like this whole registration of the car was a nightmare the taxes oh you got that done though the registration so we imported the car and we got our driver's licenses. We passed our written and our driving tests. Yay. Yes. And 
we got the car registered. And so tomorrow we're going to buy insurance. So nice. Pretty much done. That's good. Progress. You're making progress. Do you feel good about that? If we get insurance tomorrow, then I'll feel great. If we don't, then we don't have a car. But I'm assuming we can buy insurance (laughs) over the phone or the internet. I don't know. I'm sure you can. Yeah. Tell me how the pop-up event went. Oh, it was good. Yeah, it was really good. So I I started at like uh, noon and just hung out uh, in front of the canyon. And um, lots of people came by and talked to me and looked at what I was doing and like commented on my art and like picked some stuff up. But I would say like a lot of people kept walking. I think maybe... um, like the table was really very small and it was hard to like, like fish through everything maybe. And, um, I think perhaps people really wanted greeting cards and I didn't have greeting cards. So it it might be harder to sell like, uh, like just a print of art, like people like it, but they don't necessarily know what to do with it. Um, so I definitely sold like at least a hundred dollars, which is like five things. And then, um, I had three, maybe four people put in custom orders, which could be up to $500 if they all go through possibly more than $500. <laughs> One guy ordered a hundred greeting cards custom with like a personalized note inside for like a hundred greeting cards. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and then <clears throat> somebody That's ordered a really house portrait. Cool, yeah, yeah. And someone ordered a house portrait. Um but I don't know if they'll actually like send me the pictures of their house. And then um someone wants a portrait of their dog and someone wants uh some one of my paintings, but like an original and like three times the size. And I was like, Okay, uh <laughs> sure. So we'll see if it all goes through. Like one of the people was just like Oh, you can just come get cash from me. I'm like, like, send me Zelle. Like, she she even said she had Zelle. And she's like, that just sounds sketchy. I'm like, you sound sketchy. I'm not coming to your house to pick up cash. Yeah, that's really weird. (laughs) So I think it was like a pretty eclectic bunch that kind of meandered by. I had a lot of people stopping to tell me about their relatives that were artists and they wanted to show me their relative's Instagram. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, that's nice. Um, so that was a bit weird. But definitely a lot of people stopped just to, you know, comment and, like, chat with me. And that was really, really nice. And then the people who really wanted to buy were, like, exceptionally nice. So, I I, I mean, it was a good, you know, I sold a piece an hour or so. <laughs> I think it could have been better. Yeah, but now you know it to do better next like you wouldn't know what to do better next if I guess there weren't specific signs to watch out for right like you didn't know people wanted greeting cards you needed to learn that um you needed to learn like what sizes you can bring what people are most interested in um it's good experience I'm really excited for you and um this is only the starting point I mean the fact that you sold on your first time is honestly pretty huge not everybody can do that um I've been to a ton of events uh, selling events, live events with my mom, things like that. There will be days that you don't sell anything at all. Um, so it's really cool. I'm really excited for you. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. And then um, 
I stayed on like the there was another group there um kindred kolaches and they were selling the kolaches they're like a czech um pastry that's like stuffed and they're very very popular in texas anyways i tried those and they're so so good and those girls are really really nice i definitely want to like tag them and boost them because they deserve like so much promotion they're really sweet um they come from like East LA and they're going to probably try to set up shop in East LA somewhere. And they were delicious. And so they were selling next to me. And then after the event, um, we went inside the Canyon and there was, um, like this girl who was like a historian. Well, she does it for fun, but she gave like the history of like Laurel Canyon, Beachwood Canyon, Hollywood Hills, like basically like the 60s 70s like the hippies like who lived there it was so cool she did a really good job um honestly it was like oh maybe she would want to come on the show like she had like so much knowledge and research and just like it was really interesting she gave like such cool facts yeah that would be so much fun I would really enjoy that Mm -hmm. yeah I thought you would I think she's called Lost Canyons LA I I could look it up and and send it to you but it's it's pretty cool yeah, we'll stick it in the show notes. Um, when you figure it out, if it's not what you just said, then either way, it'll be in the show <laughs> <Yeah>. notes. <laughs> so exactly. check it down below, you guys. So that was the event. It was awesome. Nice. It's really cool. One of many more to come. Um, and I'll be at the yeah. next ones. Um, but yeah, let's let's jump into this, uh, this week's episode because um, I'm feeling it. I'm sure you're feeling it or have felt yeah. it or... Um, are coming in and out of it Um, but this week we wanted to talk about burnout Um, so yeah let's jump into that one So burnout. Um, are you in burnout right now? Mm, no, but I think I've been in burnout on and off since January. Did you know that burnout can last three to five years? What the hell? Really? Yeah. Yes. Are you in burnout? So <laughs> I'm totally in burnout. I've been in burnout for a while and it's so validating to learn that it can be so long because I mean, like what you're saying, like you go in and out, some days it's easier to manage and some days it's not. Is that true or not true? Yeah, I feel like it goes by a week. Like I'm either having a good week or I'm having a really bad week and I'm in burnout. Like no matter how hard you try. Yeah, so I think think what we have previously defined burnout to be like short little spurts, I think – knowing that it can be so long and kind of reviewing the past few months or years of your life, you can kind of see, like, did you come out of it in those moments or were there just better moments that you were easier to manage or were they just better weeks, you know? Um, So when I was kind of, when I was uh, learning about that, that it can last so long, uh, I had that kind of reflection of like, oh, (laughs) Cool. So I'm definitely still in it. Uh, That's why it's been so hard to get out of. 
Um, and that's why these past couple of years since COVID happened has been so rough because I've been working nonstop for something that I don't enjoy and I've not made enough time for myself. And I've learned so much about myself in this time. And I've made so many big life changes in this time. So yeah, I'm still burnt out and I'm still working through that. <laughs> when did you first notice that you were burning out? Like, was there an obvious point or like change in your life? Well, I, it definitely started with COVID uh, because I was working from home and I didn't have, um, so I had my boyfriend living with me and uh, Nestor. I don't know why I just said it like that. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so it's like he he was laid off, um, so he got like the government unemployment, so he didn't really have to do much. He was kind of looking for another job, but was also using that time to like better himself as a chef so he could get a better job. Um, and that's when he became so amazing, so obviously it paid off. But I didn't get that. I've been working nonstop online, like work from home since COVID, since lockdown started, since the day after lockdown, like we didn't get time off. I had been working um, and just paying my bills. You know, I didn't get a check from the government. Like I didn't get the time off to recharge and think about what I wanted to do with my life. I just had to continue doing the thing that I was getting paid for. Um, and then that was different than the thing that I was getting paid for before lockdown. My job role changed. I wasn't doing any, I wasn't managing any people. I was the only person in uh, in a business of two, basically, um, doing something that I've never really found interest in, but I was told that it would be short. Um, and then I got laid off and then I'm working for the company that I'm with now, uh, which is pretty like, I mean, it's not like the most demanding job I've ever had, but they have high expectations. And it's also something that is, I'm, it's not something that is like my life's dream, and um, when COVID happened, I didn't do anything for myself for a very, very, very long time. I didn't have fun for a very, very long time. Um, my fun was going on walks and like listening to podcasts. And that was it. Like I didn't have a hobby. I didn't have podcasting like I'm like you and I are doing now. Like this is an outlet that is creative and that I'm doing something with my time. I wasn't taking any photos for social media. I um, I mean, I was a tiny bit, but not really. Um so I didn't really have any way to kind of like express myself or like anything to entertain myself with. So it was just work, clean the house, endure COVID, be scared, order my groceries online, like stuff like that, like for a long time um, until like really recently, honestly, like 2021, they started lifting restrictions in L.A. Um, for the record, I still have not gotten COVID I am so, but nobody ever better come after me for like being in public or anything during this time. I was so safe. Okay. So I never got COVID. Okay. First of all. Um, but yeah, so like the, there were very short periods of time where you could go out and like socialize with people like masks on, like social distancing to meet new people. And like, that was the first time I started feeling like I'm trying to get myself back, but I think I had too high of expectations considering how much like actual trauma that you had to go through for COVID. Like, um, 
And it's not like the most traumatic experience of my life, like nothing like that. But it was such a big life change and so much happened and and so much changed uh, for me mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Uh, so it was a lot to take in uh, when I already have mental health issues. Um, so that was well, definitely the start of it. Yeah. And I feel like this all happened like in your mid 20s which is like a really transitional time, right? Like that's where you're like, okay, do I want to have like the career that I really want to go forward with? Like, am I doing my acting? Like you were in a recent, like a relatively new relationship. Like this is still a fairly transitional time too. So it's like fairly traumatic to have a pandemic during that time. Um, Yeah, totally. And I think- yeah, and I think a lot of people went through that exact same thing, more or less, and are a little afraid to, like, label it as trauma or, like, view it as trauma. But I think, like, if you do a little bit, like, trauma comes in varying degrees. So if you do a little bit and realize that, like, you went through a lot of different things at one time that you were not equipped to handle and then you were uh, emotionally alone on, like, everybody was going through the same thing, but nobody knew how to do it. We were all not not knowing what to do at the same time. So that's a lot of like anxiety to develop in that time while they're saying like, you're going to die because something's going to kill you. And then we also had a chaotic president in office that was not making things easier. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really hit trauma. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really hit burnout um, right after lockdown. And I feel like I'm just barely pulling myself out. Um, I, I'm still working on it. I'm still burnt out. And I don't think I'm going to get out of it until uh, something changes in my like work life or um, something really pivotal happens in my creative life. So do you think that like in the creative life, even though it's effectively doing more work, it's like helping you recover from like the career yes. life? Yeah. And it's not just career that I'm burnt out of. It's just like, it's my home. Like I can't stand being in this place that I'm living in. Like it's, it, it's causing me trauma in other ways. Nestor and I truly do believe that our, our place is cursed in some way. And like, there's some bad juju in there. <laughs> there's something going on in this place. And I'm like, did I create a curse on it accidentally? Like what's going on? It's so frustrating. Nothing goes right in this place. And it's just constantly frustrating. Um, to like sit and watch your mistakes every day in the same place. You know what I mean? So um, I'm burnt out of my of my uh, physical space. Um, I, I've been burnt out of my creative space where I've not enjoyed my creative space anymore just because the burnout literally like leeches into the other parts of your life. You're burnt out in one area and slowly it starts to infect the other parts. Um, so there's no good reason for me to be burnt out of my creative passions, but I'm burnt out in so many other areas. There's no balance. Um, yeah, I totally get that. Like it does like as much as creative things are completely a passion, you need to have a spark. Like you need to have enough energy to ignite that spark because it just doesn't come out of nowhere. Like I, I really want to do that episode on like how to derive creativity. Like where do you derive your creativity, start creativity somewhere. But it's like, it doesn't come up from thin air. It takes a lot of energy. And those projects, like all of the creative projects that you do are a lot of work, right? So you're acting, for example, yeah, like 
that's getting out there and doing a lot of work. Yeah, but I, I think like when you're in balance or or at least like when you're practicing balance as in like you haven't achieved it, but you're working on it. Um, I think those creative passions just come so easily that they don't feel like work. And Nestor talks about this all the time with his cooking. He even brought it up like yesterday. He was like, there are so few things with ADHD that keep my attention. Like with cooking, I can do 25 things at once without without even like feeling anxious or anything. It just comes so naturally to me because I love it so much that it's like, like it shuts down the parts of me that don't work <laughs> kind of, you know? So I totally resonate with that. Um in other areas of my life, um, not with cooking, <laughs> because I'm like short and sweet, get it done in and out. Like, I want two pans. I don't want to touch anything else. <laughs> like, that's my limit. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. Um, like, I do not want to clean more than one pan. So let's just do it all in this pan. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, keep it so Pinterest and simple, like the most boring <laughs> dish. I don't care. I just need to eat. <laughs> yeah, woo, one pan so. spaghetti. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I relate to that with acting. It's like it does take a lot, like emotionally, physically. Um, you have to think of so many different things at once. You're you're having to literally touch your trauma sometimes and bring it uh, out uh, for the public to view. Um, but I think for me personally, it doesn't feel like the hardest job ever. I mean, it's obviously not the hardest job ever, but it doesn't feel like a job because it feels like it's benefiting me. It's like I'm getting through these things that I need to get through. And I think when you're really working on being an actor, you're working on um, like the human experience and like what it means to be human and to feel things and to think things. And it's like when you watch a really good actor on screen, you can see them thinking the complete opposite of what you're saying. But that's really hard to do <laughs> as an actor. It's not easy. That's why those people win Oscars. Um, it takes a lot of like training. And I mean, not even training, but just like it takes a lot of like inner mental processing of the human experience to be able to understand how to do that easily, you know? So it doesn't, so yeah, it doesn't feel like work. It feels very enjoyable. And I think because I'm trying to balance out the other areas of my life, I'm able to enjoy it. There have been times in my life that I hated acting and I can look back on my life and be like, no, I think you really hated the circumstances of where you were. Um, and I think you just continue to grow each time you were in those classes. And that's what I was talking about with you, like maybe on a previous episode or we just talked about it at the start of an episode once, but I was saying like the balance in my life has always been when I've had an acting class somewhere. I like find find my center, I find my balance again when I'm doing that. Yeah, no, I totally get that. A, a family friend once told me like, you should think of your two most favorite things in life, like things that you like to do. And he said, you should your second thing for work and your first thing you should always reserve for like yourself so that you never grow to hate it and uh yeah see that's what yeah. that's what happened with my photography and that's why I'm so protective of it now um because uh photography is an art and when you make it transactional people are going to respond to it transactionally 
and they're going to say things to you as if it were a transaction, not like something, not like a vision of somebody, like an artist that you hired to create something. You know what I mean? So I, I had a really rough time. It's not like I ever really received any really negative feedback, maybe once or tw maybe twice ever. But I it's like it's subjective like you can't say you don't like something that's why that's why I put it in my contract like you can't re I am not going to do refunds just because you don't like how they turned out like that's not fair <laughs> like you see my work you see what I do you see the conditions in which I do things if you want specific setting and a specific look it's got to be there otherwise it's going to look like this and if you don't like that look then hire someone else um people don't understand that because again it's transactional so they're expecting customers yeah. always right, you know, stuff like that. So I, I had to I had to be like, OK, I, I don't I don't want to bring photography to L.A. because it's just going to become even more like that. People are like, oh, do headshot photography like it makes so much money. And I'm like, no, I've done that. And it's like the most boring thing ever. You don't really connect with people that much like you do with like portrait photography. So and like and that's the thing. Portrait photography is when it becomes really subjective. Um I even watched like this photographer that I worked with. Like I love her work so much. Um, I did a photo shoot with her back in like November. I have some photos on my Instagram from her. Uh, she posts criticism that she gets all the time. And it makes me so mad uh, where people are like, oh, like your photography is so bad because it's out of focus or it's so bad because you cropped it wrong. And I'm like, that's so not right. But also, why would you say that to a photographer? Like that's their creative eye. That's what they see. That's what they want to photograph. And People who love it are going to hire them. You don't need to criticize those things. Um, art is always about breaking rules. So if you're constantly following the rules, then I don't know. Then it looks like everybody else's and it's not art. It's just kind of like copy paste, boring. So anyways, that's my mini right on photography. That's why I don't do work for hire anymore. <laughs> so it's just for me. So nobody can criticize. I totally get that. I mean, I was getting a taste of that yesterday, like oh, this is nice. You know, just a lot of people. Oh, like someone picked up my work and they were like, $15, that's steep. I'm like, I don't know if I could price it any cheaper. Uh, no, it's not. That's so cheap. That's so <laughs> cheap. I was going like, to price it $5 for like, higher. For what size? A five by seven. Yeah, that's really cheap. I'm like, honestly, with the price of the matting and the, the bag and the sticker and the print, I don't know. I'm maybe making three dollars. <laughs> like, I, I just looked at her and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so frustrating about like what capitalism has created, and especially the the stage that we're in, where it's like ten corporations own everything. Like, people have such a high expectation uh, of other people because we've been trained by the Amazons and the Facebooks of this world to get instant gratification, exactly what we want. Customers always right. You always get what you want, even when you're wrong. Like, it's just created just such an awful experience for artists. And I watch all of my artist friends go through this in all sorts of ways. My cousin is a tattoo artist. She gets the same bullshit. And she's literally the most talented person I've ever seen. Um... Who else? Like, I mean, obviously you as a painter, you've gone through it. Um, I've seen lettering artists go through this. Um, videographers go through this. So happens to my brother, too. Yeah, it's like newsflash, you guys. If you're hiring a creative person for any sort of job, 
you don't have the right to say it was bad or um, you can say, you know, maybe you were expecting a different result. I think that's fine. Um, but you cannot project those expectations onto the artist. That's something you got to sit and think about. And if you want something different, then learn on learn how to communicate that. <laughs> like the artist can only do what they understand is the assignment. Exactly. And I definitely think that like when your passions get critiqued so heavily, like it's really hard because then you're not really enjoying yourself there. And then you still have like your shitty work life as well. So it's really hard. Like it's hard to like have that balance of like, okay, I'm doing enough work to bring in enough money and I have enough time still to do the things I like to do but I'm not overdoing them um, to a point where I hate them. So it's always hard, I feel like, to, to have that balance. Yeah, totally. Uh, so tell me about your burnout. Um, are Have you reflected on it? Do you think it's longer than, than you thought it was initially? I mean, honestly, I feel like you could say that I've been burnt out since, like, 2009 because oh no that's um, so sad (laughs) like but honestly like it was it was like six years I was doing my undergrad and I moved so many times and my undergrad was so much work and then I worked for two years and I guess I probably wasn't burnt out during that time but I was probably depressed and honestly that's a fairly similar feeling because there's like a lack of interest and a lack of motivation that almost it's like for me pretty similar so yeah so anyways then I went and did my master's and I was beyond burnt out like that was like a self-combustion kind of situation and then I think I was severe depression and severe anxiety for two years with my first job so I feel like moving to LA was the first time I didn't feel like terrible since like yeah 2009 (laughs) yeah yeah 2019 was like one of the most refreshing years despite all the awful shit that I went through it was one of the most refreshing years because I finally felt like I had pulled myself out of so many different things Mm -hmm. now I got to figure out that whole lesson over again (laughs) I know it just repeats itself well the thing I find and honestly I feel like this is like the most talked about thing though is like work culture like the amount of expectations that are on us on a daily basis for just sustaining our regular income. Like Ugh, it's awful. It's a, it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole thing. Like I constantly ask myself, like how do people have children in this society? Like I can't even I take care of myself. Same. I know. Like, I, I know. Literally, Nestor and I were having that conversation the other day. We're like, I'm so glad that we don't have kids because we are like constantly melting down. There's just so much shit and it's so hard. And it's like, how did how come all the previous generations had it so much easier at our age? Not to say they ever had it easy, but like there were standards in which they could get to in which our generation just can't. It's so frustrating just like and and millennials are putting these expectations on each other too it's not always perpetuated by older generations millennials are doing it to each other um it's like when are 
I just really hope Gen Z snaps us out of it, man. (laughs) Save us. (laughs) Save us. I know. It just kind of feels like my life has been like a series of two or four year blocks of just like basically like a marathon and then just like extreme burnout and then a marathon of like anxiety and then just like crashing. And it kind of correlates with like the jobs that I've had. Now I'm hopeful that this job will not be like a marathon for two years and then just like a burnout. Um, it doesn't like seem hopeful. to be going that way. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I know. I was like, history would say, but I will also say that it definitely has Things a different could feeling. Change. Like, well, I I think that like. Things are significantly better already. I already feel like my burnouts aren't as significant. Like if I'm burnt out, like, and I take a week to look after myself, I will feel significantly better the next week if I change my ways and continue to change my ways. Like if I notice that I'm burnt out and I'm like, okay, I'm extremely anxious. What's associated with anxiety and what's associated with feeling like a lack of engagement at work. Okay, I didn't get enough sleep. I'm not eating my healthy meals. I'm not going outside at all. (laughs) Like I am spending my lunch hour at my desk. I am drinking way too much coffee. Like these are things that I hear from like work presentations that piss me right off. (laughs) But I also think (laughs) that if you listen to those little things, like if let's just say this, if you are on the cusp of a burnout and you listen to those things, I think that that salvages like the fall into burnout. If you are in a burnout, those things don't help at all. But if you're on the cusp, I think they pull you back just like from the edge just a bit. So I think I've just been like teetering like since January from like almost falling into the hole and then backing Mm. up and then almost falling into the hole and then just like reversing quickly. But so I what don't are think the ways, I've like fallen deeply. What are the ways that you know that you are burnt out? Like what are the big identifiers for you that are separate from depression or maybe you can define the differences? Well, yeah, that's like, that's a really good question, especially since we just kind of referred to it. It's hard. I feel like maybe for burnout, I am bored and I am annoyed with people. Like especially in my role, it has... Like you could kind of say that an adjacent like category to burnout is uh, compassion fatigue. So it's kind of like when you've just been overstimulated with difficult situations, like effectively patient situations. So you're getting like traumatized through their traumatic situations or like the workload is too high from an interpersonal standpoint. Like you just can't talk to people anymore. So I feel like when I'm burnt out from work, it's usually that form of burnout where I'm just like, I'm bored. I'm bored of the paperwork and I'm overwhelmed by the paperwork at the exact same time. Like I can't look at it. Um, It stresses me out. And when I am doing it, I'm so unengaged. Like I can't even just fill out some forms. And at the same time, like I feel like I get so overwhelmed with talking to people. It just, I'm... I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I can't engage properly or normally. And then also at the same time, I have no empathy for people. I'm like, get on with it. I don't care. You know, like I'm just, 
I'm effectively like non-emotional. I'm just flat affect. Like when I'm burnt out at work, it's a flat affect. Yeah, that's relatable. And I feel like when I'm depressed, I'm just exhausted. I just feel like I'm worthless. Whereas I feel like when I'm burnt out, I'm just not motivated. And perhaps my anxiety The situation is worthless, maybe. Yeah, like I've made the wrong choice in my career. This career is too difficult for me. My anxiety doesn't mesh well with this career choice. Like that, those are my burnout signs. Like, you know, all of the like negative self-talk and the like imposter syndrome run rampant. Like it just feeds into anything negative. But when I'm depressed, it's just kind of like a shutdown completely. What about you? Is it different? Uh, it sounds pretty similar. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can relate to the boredom part. Um, maybe a little bit in the way that I'm disinterested in it. Um, but I think I'm bored of things a lot. So it doesn't really it's not uh, necessarily like a descriptor for me. Um, when I'm burnt out. Um, yeah, there's like no motivation. I'm also very short and, and frustrated with people all the time and this is where this is where it comes in where I was saying it kind of like leeches into the other parts of your life like that stressor might be coming from work and I'm short with people at work and then I'm suddenly short with people at home and I'm short with my friends and I'm short with people at you know the restaurant and stuff like that's so unnecessary but I've let it leech right like those to me are huge signs of burnout it's like okay there's something in your life that's literally infecting all the good parts of your other life for no reason at all um uh, I get easily frustrated with people. Um, I, I have no patience, zero patience. Um, I, I need things to be very short and tight for me in conversations. Um, if it's, if it doesn't get straight to the point, I literally feel like I want to rip my hair out sometimes. <laughs> and this, this might be further, um, uh, mental health issues in which I've been exploring. Um, but I just like literally just like, I don't know. I just get this feeling where my skin feels really tight and I just get really frustrated um, at everything. I have no patience and I'm, I'm just angry at everything going on. No matter what it is, I'm just, I find something bad in it. Um, so that's when I know that I'm burnt out. The difference uh, with depression is um, it's just like a deep sadness and kind of like a regretfulness of the things that I don't have um, or the things that I wish could be. Um, so I don't I don't think it's like maybe emotionally they project the same, but I think the source is completely different. Um, I think burnout can lead to depression. The two and two can go hand in hand pretty easily. Um, I'm sure a lot of people experience them together more than separate, especially if you've got let burnout go too long without fixing or identifying. Um, yeah, so kind of like on that on that vein, um, what are the ways that you tend to your burnout that um, whether you're in burnout and you are kind of pulling yourself out of it or you like you are right now kind of teetering the line how are you preventing burnout I feel like like I said I have a history of just like running really hard straight into a wall and making a life change (laughs) so I don't know if that's being healthy or is sustainable because Ultimately, I hope not to do that every two years. So that's worked so far, I guess, is just like pushing myself until I collapse uh, and then taking a break. But what I've been doing 
to try to like sustain myself whilst I'm sort of teetering like back and forth is yeah kind of those things I was saying like I will try to get more sleep if I'm not sleeping I will try to work out so that I feel physically tired so I can sleep better because sometimes I feel like my brain is just so negative or so it's not even anxiety it's just like negative right and it's just like if you tire the body maybe it will let you sleep taking my medication properly because I tend to just like forget or not care or think it's not important or it's not helping and then that gets kind of slipped by the wayside and then I do think that something I've been learning about and I know it's so common but I am a yes man and I always say yes and I have been trying to protect my yes with my life because it's not something I've done like I am very like I I'm definitely someone who will be like yeah sure yeah sure and then like go home late and be like I'm so exhausted I'm mad that like all this stuff took my time why did I say yes to this like there's just too much on my plate and then that one little thing at work that's like totally reasonable to ask me to do is just like the last thing that sets me off on like Monday morning I'm like I didn't even get a weekend so I'm just like I need to create that free time. Like if if sitting and staring at a blank wall is healthy for me and which it seems to be just having time doing nothing, then like I have to actually be mindful and like schedule that because life has become really busy. So I kind of started doing that. Like I kind of started scheduling that. Like I just like put my phone on silent more often, uh, I just oh like, yeah, those are like my don't. necessities. Must plan, must have phone on silent. Oh my gosh, the other day I didn't have my phone on silent and I had this person texting me like every two minutes and it was for something very important, um, but I was just not in the mental space to read those messages. Um, and it just like my phone kept going, bzz, 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 bzz. and it was just like, oh my God, it was driving me crazy. I wanted to like crawl out of my skin. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't turn it on do not disturb because they would see ding it turned on do not disturb and think that they were bothering me and I'm like it's not that you're bothering me it's just that I'm in a specific mental space in which I cannot handle this give me like 30 minutes and I can read them but yeah no and do not disturb is necessity because then I can read them at my own pace and then somebody knows that I'm not going to read it right away it just makes me feel so much better <laughs> I know yeah no when I see that I'm not I'm just like, okay, good. Like, because I've been doing that so much over the last three months. I'm just like... Nestor does it too. It's a necessity. It's so important now. I know. And I didn't even think to do it. And I thought it would be offensive. But it's like, it's not against any of my friends. It's just like, I cannot look at my phone. And it helps me know that like the phone is going to wait. Like people see that and I see that. And it's just like... I'm not here for you. (laughs) Like if there's an emergency, call someone else because I am staring at my wall from two till four today. (laughs) Like, and honestly, I feel like that's just how my brain works. It just like Mike even looks at me. He's like, are you okay?" I'm like, I'm fine. He's like, because you're just like staring into space. You have like, what's he call it? He calls it like the thousand mile stare or something like it's like a military term for like someone who's seen some shit you know and I'm just like staring into space like you know and uh he's like what are you doing I'm like I'm just resting my eyes like I'm literally doing nothing like it's just my time to like sit in the window and like 
get some sun on my skin. Like, I just need that. Like, I don't want to tell anyone that they have a sick child. I don't want to paint. I don't want to do anything. Like I really, it's like, it's a necessity for like a minimum of 30 minutes a day needs to be doing nothing. (laughs) Yeah. That's so healthy. My, my doing nothing time is I'll just sit on my phone and watch TikToks for like a half hour. And I feel so recharged after that, which is hilarious because like, it's kind of the opposite effect most people get when they're sitting and scrolling through social media, they feel drained after. But I'm like, okay, like, all right, I feel like I can be a normal socializing human being again. I got my laughter out. I got a little cry here and there. Like, I feel okay now. Um, that's so funny. Um, that's very healthy that you you get some peace and like quiet. I need to do that. But yeah. like, I'm on TikTok level now. Uh, I'll work on getting on your level. <laughs> No, it's fine. I mean, I don't think every, I don't think like staring at a wall is for everyone. Like, honestly. Well, no, I think shutting your mind off for, Mm. for that amount of time definitely is healthy. Like you're, you're, you're letting your brain just like not think anything for a while. And that's kind of what I do when I watch TikToks. I'm not thinking anything, um, until I get caught into like a thread of just gossip or science. It's one or the other. No, I mean, it's cool. I think that's like you're actually activating a part of your brain that wants to be more active and is a healthy part of your brain. So effectively, you're doing the same thing. I'm activating the part of my brain that's like on snooze mode, but I I guess that's (laughs) like, that's still a healthy part of my brain. I honestly, I think I'm just like, I think I'm just like training my brain to relax maybe and like... I think I'm just preemptively retiring my brain. I'm like, this is what you're six, like what it will be like when you're 65 and you will just sit there and you'll just chill in your chair, your rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just a little bit of that every day seems to be helpful. Do you do anything like meditation, relaxation, like any of the typical things? I used to, um, I definitely want to get back into meditation again. It's just really hard. And I think that anybody who's ever done meditation or who continues to practice will still say that it's it's hard. It's not easy to to train your brain to do initially. Um, so I used to do it and I was pretty good about it, um, but I, I haven't done it in a while. No, uh, I also have not journaled in a while. So no, I have not done the, the traditional Instagram, TikTok, healthy outlets um, to decompress. No, <laughs> I do go on walks. That's pretty typical. That one helps a lot. Um, cleaning helps a lot, but uh, usually it doesn't happen until my place is really messy. <laughs> That's just my brain. I do love a good clean, like, uh, what's the word? Like cleaning procrastination. We are just like, oh. if I clean, I will get more out of this than anything else. Because then you're like that's procrastinating r- the thing you don't want to do. No, but that's that's true <laughs> for me. I literally cannot focus if, if there's too much of a mess. I literally cannot focus. I, I, I don't know. It's like it'll pick at me like. I don't know. I don't I don't know what to call it. Like I just like I have this feeling where it's just like ugh, I don't know how to explain it. But that's the feeling it gives me. Yeah, me too. My place is a mess. There's just like stuff from my show and just like garbage. Honestly, just garbage. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, how did it get this bad? <laughs> Same. I know. I've been working on it all day today. And I'm I think that's like for me also like a 
a sign of where where my burnout stages is how messy my house is and the messier it is more frequently like it's fine if it gets really messy every so often but the frequency of which it's messy even after I clean I think really shows the burnout because it shows me that I'm not able to keep up with like the simple tasks of like just keeping up with like just wash one load of laundry at a time like that's really difficult in moments of burnout um so I always wait and do them at the very end um, when I'm burnt out. So that's something that I'm noticing. But um, the more frequent that I'm able to get into the habit of it, I think that really helps activate that that healthy part of my brain that has just kind of been resting because of the burnout. And I think those just like activating the other parts of your life that kind of can in, reinfect. It's kind of like the uh, um, vaccine, right? So it's like it's like your vaccine. Sure. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> follow me with this analogy you guys um <laughs> burnout is the virus and activating all the other parts in your life that are healthy and really a positive for you that you genuinely enjoy i think that's the vaccine to burnout is um and eventually you'll also come to to make better decisions in whatever is that main place of burnout whether it's work whether it's home whether it's relationship once you're able to once you find clarity and you can only find clarity when you've really worked on those other parts in your life once you find clarity of what the issue is you're able to remove that problem so much easier and you're able to recover from burnout because you've changed the thing that's continuing to burn you out and you can't realize what's burning you out if you're just letting it infect everything else in your life well you might be burnt out at home but the real burnout might stem from your relationship or whatever it is so get vaccinated against burnout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good advice. Yeah. So, so how do you think um, you're going to get out of this one? I feel like I'm on the way out. I think I have been feeling on the way out for the past six months or so. Um, at the same time, I've just been going through some really rough stuff. Um, so it's a battle. Um, but for me, it's, it's the getting outside more. Because when I'm inside more... Um, and I don't, I don't really even mean to socialize. I mean, just like being outside, like going on a walk or just going to the park or something, or just like going to, I don't know, going out, to, saving a little bit of money and going out to eat at like a nice restaurant that's outside, like something like that. Right. Um, yeah. So just getting outside more, uh, really helps because, oh, okay. Here's where I was going. When I'm inside more, I'm more anxious, more burnt out because I'm not getting that kind of like exercise or fresh air, um, but I'm also starting to develop depression because the longer I stay inside, the more depressed I become. Just like it triggers it. I don't know why. It's just maybe it's me personally. Maybe everybody goes through this. But the more that I stay inside, the more that just the depression like monster sneaks out on me. Um, so trying to get out more for sure. Um, mixing up what I'm doing um, with my free time. So if for most of my free time, I would just be going shopping or not even shopping, like window shopping or whatever, just going to like the malls or to little boutiques. Um, maybe I would switch it up and do something that's like more active. Um, or if I've been doing stuff on my weekends that's really active, like I've always been going hiking on weekends or something like that. Maybe I'll switch it up and be like, okay, let's go to a different environment or um, a different experience to just kind of like give myself some change um, to see what else I enjoy to give myself variety. I think when I have variety, I feel like I'm, again, able to overcome things a little bit easier. I'm just giving my brain something to refresh about, you know? Um, totally. Health 
I guess, like in the other vein of health is just like making sure that I'm eating more balanced, not eating necessarily like healthy. Um, cause I think that I can burn out in, in health and wellness just as easily. Um, but just kind of finding more balance, like if I'm eating a lot of junk food, maybe just introducing some stuff that tastes good, that's healthy for you. And if I'm eating too healthy, maybe it's kind of introducing something that's a little bit of a little bit more fun for the palate and just more enjoyable for the soul. So, uh, yeah, it just really depends on where I'm at my stage in life for the health one. Uh, and then just sleep. But I feel like I've always been really religious about my sleep. It's like I must get a minimum of like seven hours. Six hours is like I can do it, but I'm not going to be happy. Eight hours is the goal. Uh, but I've always been really religious about the sleep schedule. So I don't have too many issues with that being burn a burnout situation. But do you experience sleep burnout or burnout? I guess that kind of leeches into your sleep life. Yeah, you could ask Mike. I, 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 I'm not a good sleeper. <laughs> I have been a bad sleeper since I was two years old. I. Is it that you don't? This body sleep doesn't well, like to sleep, or or that you just don't like to go to bed. I don't like to go to bed. Mm. I have severe FOMO of uh, my own life. Nestor's the same way. I'm not. I I love to go to bed, but my issue is I can't stay asleep, and I think that's just kind of like a biological thing that I have to work through. But I love to fall asleep. I love a good bedtime. Gosh, if I if it was socially acceptable to go to bed at nine, I'd be so happy. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that's you sound like Mike though. He's like, if we could go to bed at seven, I would go to bed at seven. I'm like, what? Seven's too early. Seven? I think nine is a perfect bedtime. <laughs> like you can fall asleep at nine thirty, fall asleep at ten, but like bed at nine, ugh, it's it just sounds so pleasant. Like you ended the day with a cherry on top. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still working through that. I would stay up all night. Actually, when left to my own devices, I will stay up till like one in the morning and doing nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nestor's the same. At he all. loves that. That's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's like freedom. It's like, yeah. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. And then I'm like, my day is ruined. That was stupid. I did nothing. But Aww. yeah, that's, that's definitely how I get burnt out sometimes <laughs> by doing Aww. that too much. Yeah, yeah, like grabbing yeah. back my freedom. Like I didn't get my free time during the week because I worked so hard and then I'll like want to like get it back by doing that and that just screws me up. It's it's silly. It's like I'm five. Yeah, uh, too much of a good thing is never a good thing or something like that. I feel like that's the I same. know. Christmas every day. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't like Christmas anymore. Uh, for real. Um, well, this has been a really lovely conversation and a cathartic one and a necessary one, hopefully for more than just the two of us. Totally. Yeah. No, I'm sure people are still feeling burnt out, whether COVID's still happening wherever you are. I'm sure this is a universal thing <laughs> at the moment. And as we enter the middle of stage three of COVID, I'm sure we're all wondering how we can deal with the burnout we're in now. So yeah, yeah. It's rough out there, you guys. It's rough out there. Stay safe. Mm -hmm. Stay happy and healthy. Yeah. Watch after yourself, your friends. Get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not already, and, and if uh, you're not, why did you wait so long? Were you waiting to see if the rest <laughs> of us would collapse by now? Because we're still here. We got vaccinated. I, I feel like I got vaccinated kind of early-ish on when it became available publicly. Yeah, I I got vaccinated like around healthcare worker time. 
I guess. Yeah. So we're still kicking. Just just get your uh, your burnout vaccine and it'll all be good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, well, we'll see you guys uh, next week. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Follow us on socials. Um, you got Instagram at Coconut Grove Pod and then at Katie Dustin and at Ashley Hansen. All the links are down in the description as always. Um, we love you. We're so glad that yeah. you joined this conversation. Um, any other final thoughts, Ash? Rate, review, and subscribe, please. Hell yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.